You are listening to Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast. This episode is made possible by Buddy's Record Service in Union City, Tennessee. Request the best and call Buddy's for all your auto needs. Today's guest is Blake Stoker, owner and operator of Blake's Barbecue in Martin, Tennessee. And this is Scott Williams, the host of Real Foot Forward, a West Tennessee podcast where every single week we explore the history, the people, and the culture of our home here in beautiful West Tennessee. Um, Everybody sniff really, really bigly. You smell that? That is barbecue cooking that you smell. We have an incredible uh, guest here today, Mr. Blake Stoker, um, who has a food truck in Martin, Tennessee, right up the road from Discovery Park. And Blake's a fascinating guy, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about how he ended up um, in the food truck business. And I know he's got some exciting things uh, coming up in the future. So welcome, Blake. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So t- tell us a little bit um, about if I wanted uh, some barbecue right now, tell me a little bit about where I would go there in Martin to find you. All right. We're located at 312 North Wendell Street in Martin, right across from Sonic, about a quarter of a mile uh, south down uh, North Wendell from the hearth and about a half a mile from uh, the end of downtown Martin, I would say. Now, I understand um, one of the uh, fascinating things about your food truck is you make the food, and then when it's gone, it's gone, right? It's gone when it's gone. We make, uh, we make as much as we can. And that, you know, that sort of depends on the day. You know, there's, a, there's a limit to the amount we can make and, and not get rid of, but what we focus on is everything being fresh every day. So we make what should last us you know, until 4 or 5 in the evening. And then whenever all of that is gone, it is gone. And there are days where we, you know, get hit harder and are busier than we expect. And we end up being sold out after just, you know, an hour and a half or two, maybe two and a half. And that's not our goal, but it does, you know, happen upon occasion. But yes, sir, it's it's fresh every day. So if you eat it today, it got cooked today or for a longer meats or longer cook time meats like briskets and pork butts. So that would be your brisket and your pulled pork that gets cooked day before holds overnight and that's sort of the same concept of if you cook a big ribeye you don't take it right off the grill and slice into it you're supposed to let it sit for five to ten minutes to let juices distribute and all that uh stuff so it's the same concept with that but if you eat it on a wednesday it got cooked on wednesday or for wednesday it's not cooked on sunday or monday and and reheated well, so um, the reason that I even uh, reached out to you is I somehow ended up following you on Facebook. And so, first of all, your pictures are incredible. Your assortment of foods that you put on there are really great. And then you actually post on Facebook when the food's almost gone, right? Right. Yeah, I try to update. We, we get hit usually pretty hard right at 11 whenever we open. Uh, and then once the lunch rush gets over, which is usually 1, one fifteen, one thirty. I try to get on and uh, update people who might be waiting around to, you know, they might be, might have not been able to make it for lunch and be thinking about something they want to pick up for supper for the family. So I try to update, you know, we may be down to two racks of ribs and five pounds of brisket, just give people an idea on what they might have uh, potentially getting. 
So let's back up to the beginning. Are you uh, from around here originally? I am. I'm from Dresden, so not far from Martin and not far from y'all at Discovery Park, yes, sir. And did you were your parents restaurateurs? What? What? Uh, oh no, no. Pretty young right now. So so obviously you got interested in it pretty young. Right. Uh, no, my I don't really have any family that was uh, involved in the restaurant. Well, I take that back. My uh, my granddad on my mother's side, uh, he and his brother owned a restaurant in Dresden, uh, way back, I guess in the, I, I know, I guess it was during the seventies and eighties. Uh, but they, he wasn't like a, a chef type, more just like a management, uh, from a management standpoint. Um, but no, I didn't really come from a, a family of, of, you know, super intensive cooks. Uh, I just, uh, got, got interested in it pretty early in life i guess it dates back to uh going duck hunting with my family my my father and my uncle uh i guess starting remember i was about four years old and a big key for us even to this day duck hunting is breakfast in the duck blind so that's my main draw whenever i go nowadays i'm pretty much the cook there's a lot of mornings i don't even pull my my gun out to actually hunt i'm just there to, to cook and have camaraderie with people i enjoy but as, as I got older, you know, I cooked a, a little bit more. And then, uh, especially as I got into college, uh, I had a little bit more time. I played football all throughout my life and took it pretty seriously in high school. So I didn't have much time during uh, that period. But whenever I got to college, I got myself a big green egg grill and got a little more into the grilling aspect of things. And then that sort of developed into smoking stuff. Uh, meat that is uh <laughs> right. where did you go to college uh, i did a year uh university of at martin and thoroughly enjoyed that and then finished up at mississippi state my last two and a half for three years excellent so, so we've been starting for a few years so you were a fun guy to hang out with in college since you had the big green egg and you kept your uh, friends fed i'm guessing I, I did do some cooking at the fraternity house and uh it wasn't too hard to didn't have to pull too many strings to uh, get people to come over to do some eating. So uh, there's some there's some truth to that, I guess. And what what was your major? Uh, agriculture business. So uh, that's I guess that I started out with no intentions. Whenever I started college, I had no intentions of doing you know becoming a restaurateur. But uh, my interest back then and and still today is in agriculture. Uh, I grew up with my family uh, owning a Black Angus uh, cattle farm, so I grew up doing that, and then uh, had a lot of, I guess, mentors that were in the ag business industry, like working for a chemical or seed company and being salesmen and stuff like that. So I was interested in that, but I guess it was about my junior year in college, maybe sophomore year in college, that I started leaning more towards. Uh, found a true love for uh, cooking and barbecue and kind of delved into the restaurant scene. So typically in this area, people grill pork. Right. Um, but I know you you kind of went a slightly different direction and you might grill pork, but you also do a lot of beef, correct? Yes, sir. So I do what's considered Texas style. Uh, there's a man named Aaron Franklin in uh, Austin, Texas who has gained a lot of uh, notoriety and has inspired a lot of people like me over the last, I guess, 12, 10 or 12 years is how long he's been around. But uh, 
Yeah, I got into uh, got into beef barbecue and uh, took a few trips to Texas and got a taste for that and decided I wanted to figure out how to uh, get better at that and you know maybe bring some of that to this area and uh, it sort of snowballed from there. And I, I still do. I still do. You know the Tennessee style pork, uh, which is pork shoulders, pork butts. I personally cook pork butts, and I mean I have you know reasons for that, but. Pork shoulder, pork butt is what you typically think of here. Barbecue bologna, uh, baby back, dry rubber ribs. I still do a lot of that, but, you know, even my pork ribs, I do in more of a Texas style, which basically it's bare bones uh, means that instead of a, a saucy or, a, you know, a lot of sugars and stuff like that, it's just everything simply rubbed with salt and pepper. So the most elaborate rub people ask all the time what's your secret rub what's your secret sauce the most elaborate thing i have here is a mixture of uh kosher salt coarse black pepper paprika and a little bit of garlic powder and that's what i put on uh pork butts and pork ribs and turkey turkey breast uh, which has become one of our actually i'd say far and wide our most popular meat item that and brisket but uh, it's everything's super super simple just done with a lot of intent and uh care so you you showed up in Texas. How did you know where to go, or or and how did they? What happened when you got there? Did they welcome you with open arms? Uh, yeah. The first few times I went, I was pretty unknown. You know, just uh, uh not that I'm, not that I'm saying I'm known now, but I've I've got a pretty good little base there, I guess you would say. But uh, this the same guy I was talking about a few minutes ago, Aaron Franklin, wrote a book back in. Uh, I really shouldn't even give it. I think it was 2012, 2011 or 2012, wrote a book uh, that, as I mentioned a few minutes ago as well, really inspired a lot of people like myself. Uh, so in his book, yeah, he's sort of like, the, his restaurant is sort of like the Mecca, the Texas barbecue Mecca. Everybody travels there. You know, he gets, not many people go there more than once or twice in their life, but everybody goes once. And it's, you stand in line, you, the first, the line starts forming at five o'clock in the morning or earlier, knowing good and well, you're not going to, those doors aren't going to open until 11 o'clock. So, you know, if you get in line at six or like we did the time I went, we got in line about seven fifteen. we never got food till 1230, but it's just sort of the experience of standing around, you know, meeting people in line. And then this, this is in a pre COVID world where you could shake hands and, you know, get to know people that you don't know already. But, uh, uh, you know, just uh, look stuff up on the internet and read some books and read some, some barbecue tour guides, uh, and stuff like that. And just got a little bit of a, did a little intel, I guess you'd say before I went. I've actually been to his restaurant and oh, some, cool. some friends and, and myself, we waited about three and a half hours before oh, we could yeah. actually even get, get something to eat. So, but it was well worth it. No, oh, incredible. Just, it's, you know, and incredible. So so you just show up. I mean, you know, I'm sure you made arrangements and everything and they just, you know, you go in and say, Hey, I'm really interested in this. You know, how can I get better? Uh, yeah, not, and not, not with, not with Franklin. He's actually one of the very few out there in the, what we call the barbecue community that I'm, you know, that I don't know personally, but he's just sort of on his own level. And I, I hear he's a very nice down to earth guy, but he's just, thought of as you know is such an icon that he can't hardly I, I sort of feel sorry for him he can't hardly get out and uh and uh mingle with everyone like like a normal person could but uh yeah just over time i built relationships over the internet uh 
you know, like you mentioned, Facebook, Instagram, all that, uh, and built relationships and got to know one person, went and visited them, and that led to being introduced to another one. And before you know it, you know, now I'm if I if I show up in Houston or Austin, I've pretty well got a place to stay or you know multiple, and uh, some really good really good people uh, that have helped helped me along the way. Whether it be not not so much cooking. Uh, that's been, I mean, of course I, I listen and watch and, and, and taste something at one place and, and think about how, you know, how can I, how can I make mine more like that if it's something I like? Uh, uh, but you know, more so just in the logistics of stuff and, and hiring and, uh, you know, logistics of setting up restaurants and all that stuff. So I, I've had a lot of help from a lot of great people. So you, so you um, sort of started to develop your own style and the food that you liked. And, and at some point, how did you go from that to a food truck? Dating back to after that, okay, well, here it is. The, the, uh, I, I went to Franklin on Christmas break. I guess it was my sophomore year of college. And that sort of put me over the edge of, okay, because I'd been, people had been asking me for a while, you know, why don't you go to culinary school? Why don't you uh, open a restaurant? And my response is always, well, I really enjoy the cooking, but I don't want it to turn into a, a job and end up despising it, you know, lose my love for it. But after I went out there and, and experienced all of that, it pushed me over the edge of, okay, this is something I really want to at least try one time, you know, tr- try running a food truck, see if it's something I enjoy, or if I grow to resent it, then I'll know it's not for me. But what I did want to do is get to be, you know, retirement age and look back and have regret that I never gave it a shot. So, uh, just, uh, on, honestly, that trip to Franklin is, is standing in line at Franklin, probably about 10, 10, 15 in the morning is when I sort of made that decision. So it was going and seeing it for myself and, and, and thinking how I didn't, I didn't want to look back one day with any regret. So what did your, what did your parents and your family, what did they think when you came to them and said, okay, folks, I'm going to open a food truck. They were supportive. I, you know, I promised, and it was always my intention to finish school. So I went ahead and finished school uh, to, to have a, a drop back plan, a fallback plan, because it's not news to anybody that the restaurant business is, uh, you know, fairly risky, fairly to extremely risky. So I'm glad to have that degree and be able to fall back on that if ever needed. Uh, but they they were supportive. They knew that that's what I loved, and whenever I set my mind to something, I pretty well. Uh, hammer on it until I until I get it. So I knew there probably wasn't much stopping me, anyways. <laughs> what, so um, I'm assuming that you had a specific kind of uh, food truck in mind. Where how, do, how does one start shopping for a food truck? Right. Well, whenever I, this is 2015, whenever I started looking, so it's been five years ago. Uh, I, I guess my first. My opening day, very original opening day, was May 11th or 12th, 2016. So, started looking in 2015, and at that time, there really weren't any food trucks in the area. Matter of fact, the first time the health inspector came to, you know, sort of, we called him and said, "Hey, this is what we're trying to do." After we got the uh, trailer in, you know, got it, got it built, and got it in, and he, he it, the way I remember it, he had hardly had any experience in food trucks food trailers so it's really early on but we uh we searched the internet and uh you know looked for some uh looked for some used ones but finally landed on a company in waycross georgia which is 
in the middle of nowhere, sort of southeast Georgia. Uh, and drove down there. We, we got one sort of custom built and uh, drove down there and picked it up and came back with it. So your uh, initial um, days you were open, what, you know, there aren't a lot of food trucks. It's not like we're in a big urban setting where there are 30 right. food trucks lined up. Um, what did people understand what a food, what, what you were doing there in a truck with selling food out of the back of it? Not hardly. I, I think it came with a, a, a little bit of built in trust just because such a small community, people knew who I was. I'd only been out, you know, in, in Dresden and this whole area in each little town, uh, high school football is a pretty big deal. And I, I played and, you know, not, I played, and I, I, most folks knew me. So, uh, you know, they, they trusted that it was a legitimate, uh, legitimate thing going on. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely weird. It was probably most people's, uh, most people's first experience eating out of the food truck unless they'd been to somewhere like Austin or Portland, Oregon, or maybe Nashville or Memphis or something like that. But yeah, it was definitely different for everybody, including myself. And so did you, uh, how did you gauge how much to sell? Did you start selling out? Did you have any waste? Did you, you know what? What what was it like at first? Right off the get, I mean, the first day was well. The first couple of weeks opening year uh, were were crazy. I, I honestly don't remember exactly how much I was cooking back then, but uh, I, I remember opening day, the very first day we were ever open in twenty sixteen. It came a huge, huge lightning storm about ten fifty nine for our eleven o'clock open, and there were people standing out in the lightning and the rain. It was it was crazy, uh, but yeah, it, it was sellouts from. From the get go, but I'm. I wish I could remember my quantities back then. But and it was a little bit different menu. Uh, but yeah, it, it started out pretty hot, and then like every other restaurant uh, situation, you know, it dwindles down once the new wears off a little bit. But you know. Now I do know the restaurant business is a tough business, and you've got the work ethic uh, to prove it. I mean, you're up like early, right? I have a warm set for 320, 328, 334, and 336. And I, I, most of the time I get up at that 334 one, but I, I'm here with briskets <laughs> and ribs going on. By, well, I'm, I'm here by 352. Luckily, I don't live far away, and that's by design because uh, a commute, a long commute in the morning would not be uh, advantageous for me in my day. But uh, I've got meat going on by four o'clock in the morning every Tuesday through Saturday. Oh my gosh! Um, I mean, do you have any kind of a personal life, or do you have any other hobbies, or do you anything for fun other than cooking? Uh, in a non-COVID world, I, I mean, I, I definitely used to have much more of a personal life. I guess it goes for you know about everybody. But uh, and with the whole COVID thing, I I felt a, a civic and a business responsibility to take it maybe more seriously than, than folks my age that maybe have tended to. Uh, but, you know, I just feel like I, I've, with this whole thing, I've, I've sort of had a, a duty to, to stay safe and in, in order to keep others safe and comfortable. But, uh, yeah, oh, I have lots of other – I enjoy – I'm an outdoorsman. I enjoy uh, hunting and fishing, and I really enjoy traveling. That's been the biggest issue for me. I, uh I really, really enjoy traveling, and that's been sort of put on hold. But, uh, yeah, hunting and fishing and uh, going back to visit and start going to uh, ball games and 
I've got friends in Nashville and Memphis that, you know, either went high school with or college with and go visit and uh, concerts and all kinds of stuff. But that's all. You're in your, uh, you're in your twenties, right? Yes, sir. I'll be 25 in this month on the 20th, October 20th. So that's a lot of responsibility right off the bat. Um, You mentioned COVID. Uh, Did you have to make any changes to your business because of COVID? Yeah, we, uh, we were lucky and we, we, I can't say anything more. I mean, I can say more, but we, we've been absolutely lucky and blessed throughout the whole thing to be able to stay open and uh, retain the support of everyone. Uh, but we, we did have to move to, for a while there, we, we closed up our little uh, outdoor awning seating, which is all we have here. We don't have any indoor seating, but we closed that off for uh, several weeks. And at that same time, we... Uh, we went to all call-in orders, pick up, you know, we, no, contact was order, contact was, uh, you know, curbside stuff. But, uh, yeah, we, we made changes. Uh, to be honest with you, I've always been sort of a germaphobe, as one would call. So, as far as personal changes, I haven't had to make that many. I've always been cautious. Uh, I guess it's just the way I was, I don't know if the way I was raised or just the way I decided I was going to be, but... Uh, yeah, we had to make several changes as far as the contact was. And, you know, we went to card only, no cash for a little while back whenever the scare was that it was, you know, uh, touch born and not just airborne. Um, so, yeah, we've had to navigate several different several different stages of all this for sure. Are you um, – I'm looking at your Facebook page because um, I thought it would be fun to look at some of these incredible pictures of food while we're talking – um, there's um, a lot of incredible looking side dishes as well. Absolutely, the, the that's meat. that's what? what I'm most proud of, and I don't do <laughs> I don't do that at all. Tell me, tell me about tell me about some of those. Okay, so our most special uh, side dish items, I guess, would be our, our biggest hits: pimento cheese and crackers. Honestly, I've, I've been joking about this on uh, Instagram. Some calling our calling our trailer a. Uh, what did I call it? A pimento cheese and cracker emporium that happens that conveniently happens to sell a little uh, smoked meat on the side, which <laughs> is a joke. But to be honest with you, we're just about a pimento cheese and cracker stand. And what happens is uh, uh, one party in the family will get hooked on the pimento cheese, and they'll send they'll send a family member up here once or twice a week, and solely for pimento cheese or pimento cheese and crackers, but. On the bright side, they you know they just conveniently pick up some meat to take home as well. But uh, you know we've got pimento cheese and crackers, which I did on special, just sort of on a whim last July. So not this past one, but I guess twenty July twenty nineteen, thinking it would be just you know like a once a week thing, and that lasted one day. Meaning the whole it being a once a week special lasted one day because it quickly took over. And now we just make more of that than I would have ever dreamt possible out of a little food trailer. But uh, for and cheese and crackers, my mother makes bacon jam deviled eggs, which are a real hit. Uh, baked beans, potato salad, a really popular uh, vinegar co- vinegar swall, which over the years I, I've tried to keep up with it, and I've definitely lost count. But there's been hundreds of people that have said one of two things, either – I don't like vinegar swall. I just like mayonnaise swall. I've never liked vinegar swall in my life. Or I don't like swall, period. They end up trying it, and they're hooked on it. They'll be back the next week buying, buying it by the pint. Uh, let's see. What else do we have as far as side dishes? Um, we have some seasonal stuff, like uh, this past or 
two weeks ago we had uh, smoked cabbage and cornbread. Um, this past week we had sweet potato casserole and mm. green beans. We'll do uh, black-eyed peas and relish. Uh, we've done like during the summer some pasta salads and uh, corn and black bean salads and stuff of the like. So we, you know, we change stuff up, change stuff up seasonally. And then, what about desserts? Oh, I can. I mean, it's. T- t- I just took. If this tells you anything, I just took some smoked apples, or just took apples off the smoker about. 30 minutes ago mom's come up with some smoked apple cheesecake cups so i think it's going to be uh she she cored out these apples and put some brown sugar and butter in them and then she's making up a a, a cheesecake filling and i don't know what all so stuff crazy stuff like that uh like you may be seeing there in the last two weeks we started doing this smoked s'mores waffle cone that's been a real hit uh Mom does all sorts of little mini personal size uh, cheesecake cups, mini uh, bunt cakes, red velvet, uh, apple pecan. There's all sorts of creative stuff. So she's found a calling in that. My, for the first 23 years of my life, 24 years of my life, she claimed up and down that she wasn't a cook, couldn't cook, terrible at it. And then now here she is, just works, you know, thousands of hours a week trying to pump out as many of these house-made desserts that people are just crazy about. So any any claims she had over being a so-called non-cook have gone completely out the window, and I remind her of that all the time. So it's, like a, it's like a whole family deal. Or do you have other, other members of your family working there? I do. I've had a lot of uh, – it's only become so much of a family uh, ordeal in the last year and a half since we moved to Martin. Prior to that, I've had all sorts of uh, – uh, middle Dresden Middle School and, and elementary teachers, uh, teacher aides, principals, vice principals, you name it. Because my first three or four, I guess my first three years in business, I just ran it during the summers while home from Mississippi State. So that worked out really conveniently for high school students and te- people in the uh, you know teaching industry because they're off on summer break as well and had a little bit of extra income throughout the summer. It sounds to me like you need to open a restaurant. Well, that's uh, that's in the book, or that that's in that's in the plans, and uh, has been in the plans. And honestly, would have been getting pretty close by this point. We'd have been within, oh, I'd say four months, three or four months, if it hadn't been for Mister COVID. But uh, that's like everything else in the world, push that back five or six months. I would say so. Restaurant is coming. So, can you tell us any of the details? Uh, yeah, right down the street here, um, about a third of a mile south of us down North Wendell, right before we get to downtown, there's a uh, big structure um, on the side of the road across the green bins that, that used to be and, and, and still is. I mean, it's not in operation now, but Southern Milling Company, a grain mill, uh, built in, I believe, finished in 1918. So it's over 100 years old. We're turning that into uh, a future brick and mortar restaurant. And uh, what is it uh, going to be the kind of thing like you find in Austin where you have to wait four hours to get in? Well, you know, there's a balance between all that. I hope it's <laughs> that popular, but I hope we're able to, I, you know, the plan will be to find a way to mitigate the uh, the chances of, of, of you actually having to wait that long. But, 
Yes, I hope it's that popular, but I hope we have our systems in place and are getting people in and out and well, not in and out, but you know, if you if you stand in a long line, my hope would be that you you have to wait no more than twenty twenty five minutes if it's really deep. But it it is going to be you know tech, inspired you know by a lot of that that you see out there. Since we're doing this podcast together here early on, will you let me sneak in the back? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got an end. <laughs> I, I have a good feeling about things like this, and and yeah. I'm thinking this is going to be big. Well, I sure hope so. I'm, we're trying to do everything we can to uh, to make it turn out that way and make it all run smoothly and uh, just do it the best way we can. Do you have um, somebody that like manages your PR? Uh, my sister do, does most of that. Um, she does a really good job, and I mean, she's she's not just behind the scenes at all. We're all we all do everything, you know. You know that we're all dishwashers and all uh, cashiers when we need to be. I do most of the meat uh, cooking and the cutting, but about three and a half months ago, I hired my first. Uh, I guess you'd call it. I hate to call it apprentice. I don't know what you call it, but you know, person to to help duplicate my my responsibilities so that I'm able to spread spread my self out a little more into you know stuff outside of just the meat stuff because while that's important you know the cooking and the food aspect that's i would say only 25 to maybe 33 you know a quarter to a third of the actual restaurant uh so i need to be able to to spread my spread my wings a little bit and help in other capacities but uh yeah abby does a, abby does a lot of that as well i, I do run social media and I, there's times that i shouldn't but as just sort of right now I enjoy it, and it gives me a little bit of comic relief and stuff like that. Yeah, I wondered. I wondered who was actually writing all that. That's what first. Uh, that's what first uh, drew my attention was how clever the writing was and how well everything was positioned. So you, you guys are doing an incredible job on that. Well, thank you. Thank what you, thank What advice would you give folks out there that are listening, that are young people that enjoy cooking? Um, any suggestions you can give them for how, you know, they could uh, proceed with a career in cooking? Um, just find what you really enjoy cooking for one. And if that's barbecue, then more power to you. I think it's a, a beautiful, you know, there's just something really primal and, and honest about barbecue in my opinion. Um, uh, especially not not only when but especially when you're cooking with you know all wood and stuff like that I mean there's a lots of ways to do it and I would I would never bash any of them because it's a lot of work no matter how you do it but uh you know just find find what you're good at or have interest in uh maybe contact somebody like me or a, a local restaurateur uh to see if you could you know come in and what they call stage you know hang out work where you can uh and you know there's there's culinary schools and and other avenues like that that uh you can get involved with um and get some extra learning but just uh if it's your dream to 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 do it just know that it's a lot of work but it's worth it if it's true your dream i mean it's not easy uh it's it's part in in some ways it gets easier every day because you know you just get a little better not better at the food but you know a little better at time management and all that but in other ways as things grow it gets a little bit more difficult which is a good problem because with growth you know it needs to 
and, and more volume, it should get a little harder. But just uh, it, just like with sports, if you're if you're really into into throwing a baseball from the pitcher's mound and that's your dream, then just stick with it. I would say. Now, there's there's some of us who who uh, some of our listeners are more like me, um, and we're on the older side. I've got a group of friends that I text with from my college days, and now we're all grilling on the weekends, and we uh-huh. send each other pictures, and we try to see who has the best, you know, results. So, what kind of tips can you give me as a weekend home griller that would help me win against my friends? What are you cooking on? You know what? I use a uh, Weber grill with charcoal yeah so like a weber kettle like a barrel or like a yeah yeah i don't have a whole lot of experience with those but uh if you're doing if you're trying to cook offset like if you're cooking ribs or trying to smoke chicken or smoke a pork butt or even trying to brisket i'm sure you already know but definitely you'd want to set your coals on one side uh you know have them or there's like the snake method which i've seen or just you know set your coals on one side and have your offset heat uh, flowing from the or you know, far from that side to your meat, which will be set on your grates above on the other side. Uh, I personally, as we talked about, lean more towards simple rubs, simple sauces. I mean, the only the only sauce you get here is going to be on the side. I'm not going to cook a brisket for. Now that didn't go for sandwiches, but I mean, if you order a three quarters of pound of brisket on a plate, uh, I'm not, I, I'll give you all the sauce on the side that you want, but I'm not going to put it on there. If I'm going to spend Really, it, you know, it's a three-day process getting brisket on a plate, you know, or getting brisket to a consumer. So if I'm going to spend 72 hours, I'm not going to cover up all the work I put, you know, with a bunch of sauce. But I lean, I, I lean towards just simplicity. Uh, fire management, you know, not letting, uh, not letting your uh, smoker dip, dip or spike in temperature and uh, just working a clean fire and keeping things simple. And you started off with a green egg. What are you cooking on now? I've got two uh, repurposed 500-gallon propane tank smokers. So they're repurposed propane tanks. Uh, They're about 13 half feet long, 14 feet long from tip to tip. A smokestack on one end and uh, a firebox on the other. So my fire right now, I'm I'm cooking and and I'm standing by where my fire would be in my firebox. the closest piece of meat I have to the actual fire and flame is probably about six, seven feet away. I've got a few pork butts up that close and then all the way back to, you know, that 12 foot mark. So everything's offset indirectly. What you've obviously made a decision to, uh, you know, set up your business in Martin, Tennessee. Uh, why not Nashville, Atlanta? Why not a big, a big city? Well, I do really, I, I, I really, you know, have a, have a tie here. Just, I mean, obviously my family, but I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the people here. I enjoy the, the community aspects and, you know, my historical ties here. Uh, and I want to bring something different in this area, you know, Nashville and Memphis and places sort of, you know, have a, a wide breadth of, of options and eclectic you know, all sorts of artsy type stuff. And I sort of want to bring something a little bit different here. Um, and then you've just got the simple uh, matters of quality of life. And I, I love, I, I actually really enjoy traveling and visiting large cities, but, you know, I sort of like the little bit more laid back uh, vibe here and, uh, and, and really just 
being open for customers that, uh, you know, are friends and family members and people that I've known my whole life and then meeting others that honestly I would have probably never met in any other profession. Uh, that's, that's actually probably, probably my favorite thing about this is that I've met, you know, so many people, uh, that I probably would have never met say I were working for, a uh, seed or chemical company or working behind a desk at a insurance agency or something like that. So that's been really fun for me getting to know people. Well, I can promise you there are thousands of people who are listening to this podcast who you've made starving right now, who are trying <laughs> to figure out when they can get to Martin, um, to be able to get some of the food you're talking about, including me. I got to get well, back hope- over there. I hope they come. I'm, we're open Wednesday through Saturday from 11 until it's uh, gone, like we talked about. But And actually on Saturdays, uh, last fall, we started being open at 1030. And that is uh, mostly due to my love and not that it allows me to get home and watch football any sooner. But I, I enjoy watching football starting at 11 o'clock with that first game. So we, I decided we'd be open at 1030 on Saturday to allow those uh, fans say, you went to Memphis, didn't you? Yeah. I, I listened to you and Dr. Carver's uh, podcast yesterday and today a little bit, and I noticed that. So, say Memphis plays at 11, my goal is for you to be able to get here, pick your stuff up at 1030 and be home ready to watch uh, and eat by game time. <laughs> oh, man, that is awesome. I don't know if uh, folks from who are living in Memphis could, could make it that quick, but there's probably some now that are going to give it a shot. Yeah, we've had we, we have quite a few uh, travel – travel either from you know purposely from memphis just make a day trip up and eat or traveling through or you know we've had we've had quite a few uh memphians and texans and uh north carolina we've had people from a lot of states either passing through and have heard about it or look it up on the internet or we've had a few just drive from really crazy distances just to eat and turn around and go home which blows my mind is very humbling and you know really uh inspiring to keep moving forward with it i know a lot of people in the in the tourism business in this region are really um anxious for us to have a good food scene and to add to some of the great restaurateurs we already have in the area so you know i for one thank you for your dedication to this region and for the great work you're doing i appreciate you and uh those words and um, thank you for being on the podcast. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? I feel like we've just about covered it. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I, I, I really, I, I like to talk about it earlier again, uh, I spend a lot of time up awake and cooking and therefore listen to a lot of podcasts. So I look forward to uh, delving into more of your past uh, interviews. Awesome. Thank you very much. And I'm probably going to see you tomorrow at lunchtime. Sounds great. We open at 11. Thank you for listening to Real Foot Forward. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Start planning your visit to Discovery Park of America by visiting discoveryparkofamerica.com. And also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates.